Welcome back to Metamodernism. I'm your host, Alexander Wool, and you're listening to part three of my look back at the best music of 2021, and part two of my Sound of California miniseries. In this episode, I'll be focusing on the sound of Los Angeles. Kicking us off, we have Soft Science by Pearl and the Oysters. Soft Science by Pearl and the Oysters. Dreamy psychedelic pop duo Pearl and the Oysters have been making waves since the release of their debut record in 2017. This September saw the release of their third album, Flowerland, on Tip Top Records. The label's press release reads, quote, Flowerland should leave listeners feeling as fresh as morning dew. Armed to tackle the surprises 2021 may bring with Pearl and the Oysters' sunlit melodies and thoughtful lyrics echoing in their minds, end quote. Pearl and the Oysters are just one of the many Los Angeles-based bands who released great music this year. In continuing with my Sound of California miniseries, today I'm focusing on the sound of the greater Los Angeles area in 2021. To be transparent, living in San Francisco, I don't exactly feel qualified to be a spokesperson for LA's music scene, and I didn't set out to create an LA-themed music episode. But when compiling this year's best music, I noticed that a large number of my favorite releases were from LA, so I thought it would be fitting to curate a sister episode to The Sound of San Francisco in 2021. 
The music on this list is by no means a comprehensive look at all of the music coming out of LA, but rather, it's a taste of the music I think most represents the Los Angeles sound. When compared to San Francisco, the music coming from Los Angeles is perhaps less cohesive in its overall sound, but features a wider array of musical stylings. Come along with me as we take a trip through the sound of LA in 2021. It's been a hard couple of years for musicians, and with the rapid spread of Omicron, Many places are hitting pause on live music yet again, so this is your annual reminder that Spotify is a greedy company profiting off of the backs of hardworking artists who make virtually nothing from your streams. Please consider supporting the artists you love by purchasing their music, getting some cool merch, or buying a ticket to a show if it's safe to do so in your area. Links to purchase the music featured on this episode are included in the show notes. And now, on with the music. Last year, I featured music from Vinyl Williams on the show, and this year, he's back with a new project called The Emerald Isle, which their bandcamp describes as, quote, the new group by Vinyl Williams and his lifetime confidant Craig Murray. Born out of one of LA's longest-lasting underground communities, the two wrote and recorded their debut album at Nonplus Ultra. Although it usually functions as a live venue and art studio, Williams has his recording studio at NPU, filled with old mixing boards, 70s Italian synths, and a Dynacord tape echo. Their sound naturally formed as an expression of their two personalities, a jangly pop roller coaster of hyperactive fun times, end quote. Their self-titled debut was released this April, and it's exactly the kind of jangly spaced-out music that Vinyl Williams is known for. This is Craig Xanax by The Emerald Isle. Yeah. 
Craig Xanax by The Emerald Isle off of their self-titled debut. When combing through Bandcamp in college, I stumbled upon Triptides, whose surf-inspired indie rock had me dreaming of warmer climates. Back in the early 2010s, they were based out of Bloomington, Indiana, and were considered a local group when I featured their music on my college radio show. In 2012, our paths would converge as we waited together in line for Tame Impala at the Metro in Chicago. Triptides' 60s-inspired, sun-soaked tunes were always longing for the coast, so it made sense when in 2015, the band relocated to LA. Since then, they've been creating sonic waves from the Golden Coast that embody the sound of a bygone era. In March, they released their seventh album, Alter Echoes, out on a live natural sound records. This is one of my favorites, Do You Ever Wonder? Thank you. 
That was Do You Ever Wonder by Triptides off of their record Alter Echoes. Coming to LA by way of Massachusetts, Colleen Green has been making infectious indie rock for over a decade now. Her fifth album, Cool, came out this September on Hardly Art. For this album, she enlisted producer Gordon Raphael to take her songs to a higher ground while still keeping her lo-fi aesthetic. This breezy track is one of my favorites. It's called Posy Vibes. Vibes by Colleen Green off of her album Cool. Local natives had their sound dialed in from the moment they hit the scene in late 2009. Their debut album, Gorilla Manor, came out during my senior year of high school, and it was one of my favorites from that era. Over the years, they continued to expand their sound, making bigger and bolder music. Most recently, they were tapped to record a set of 80s covers for the Apple TV Plus show The Shrink Next Door which was released as an EP called Music from the Penn Gala 1983. The covers are surprisingly faithful to the originals, and here is their cover of Jerry Rafferty's Right Down the Line.
Natives covering Jerry Rafferty's Right Down the Line from their Music from the Penn Gala 1983 EP. Formed after the breakup of the revered indie trio The Unicorns, Islands have been making infectious indie pop for 16 years. During that time, frontman Nick Thorburn has kept himself busy with extracurriculars, like composing the theme to the hit podcast Serial, releasing two solo albums, and playing in Mr. Heavenly, a side project featuring Joe Plummer from Modest Mouse and Michael Sarah. Along the way, Islands relocated from Montreal, Quebec to Los Angeles. Their eighth album, Islomania, dropped in June of this year. This is my favorite track from the album, We Like to Do It With The Lights On, and despite the salacious title of this track, Do It refers to the act of dancing. We dance to the song on and on We do it with
to do it with the lights on by islands off of their album Ilomania. Los Angeles band Massage were formed a few years back by singer-guitarist Andrew Romano and former Pains of Being Pure heart bassist Alex Natus, who share a love of jangly indie pop and shoegaze. Their sophomore album, Still Life, was released this June, and their band camp describes their sound quite well. Quote, The kind of music Massage makes, sunny, bittersweet, tender, is less a proper genre than a minor zip code nested within guitar pop. Indie pop, jangle pop, power pop, whatever you call it, pushing too hard scares the spirit right out of this sweet, different music, and Massage have a touch so light the songs seem to form spontaneously, like Rye Smiles, end quote. This is one of my favorites from the album, I Come Running. Drive all night, get it wrong 
that was I Come Running by Massage off of their album Still Life. Dean Wareham has been a staple of the indie scene since the late 80s. He left his mark on the world of dream pop and indie rock through his work in Galaxy 500 and Luna. More recently, he's been recording solo material under his own name. His latest album, I Have Nothing to Say to the Mayor of L.A., came out this October and contained 10 new songs produced by Jason Quaver of Paper Cuts. If you're keeping track at home, this is the third time Jason has appeared on this list. You can really hear Jason's signature production on this next track, Robin and Richard. Robin and Richard were two pretty men laying in bed till the clock struck ten. Oh brother, oh brother, oh look at the sky. Oh brother, oh brother, the sun is so high. The stars haven't dealt me The worst they could do My pleasures are plenty My troubles are too The stars haven't dealt me The worst they could do My pleasures are plenty My troubles
That was Robin and Richard by Dean Wareham off of his album, I Have Nothing to Say to the Mayor of L.A. On the last episode, I professed my love of Slumberland Records. Devin Williams has been with Slumberland for a decade now, and this March, he released a follow-up EP to last year's album, A Tear in the Fabric. This new EP, called Out of Time, contains some new material, as well as reworkings of tracks off of A Tear in the Fabric. Describing the EP, his bandcamp reads, Redolent with the feelings of isolation, impatience, and dread common to all of us during these days of the pandemic, Out of Time is the product of spending lockdown away from home, adding to the sense of dislocation. Amidst the chaos of 2021, Out of Time is a much-needed antidote, a soothing melodic tonic for our times, end quote. Up next, we have Out of Time 2 by Devin Williams. Again, to just see you happy 
That was Out of Time 2 by Devin Williams off of Out of Time EP. Back when I was in high school, Bo Burnham's YouTube videos were shared like wildfire. Yeah, they were goofy and often crass, but they spoke to the comedic sensibilities of my 17-year-old mind. Bo was just about a year older than me, so he was the first example of someone my age breaking through to fame on YouTube. Bo's material combines the profound with the profane, accompanied by his virtuoso piano playing. His ability to capture the milieu of the millennial experience has made him somewhat of an ambassador for my generation, embodying both the brilliance that we can achieve and the anxieties that we face. As he continued to evolve his craft, his new specials toyed around with audience expectations and pushed the limits of a comedy special by expertly deconstructing the form. In 2018, he wrote and directed the film Eighth Grade, which was an incisive and raw look at middle school life. His work culminated with his latest special, Inside. Bo recorded the entire special locked within the guest house of his LA residence during the 2020 pandemic. Tackling themes of self-doubt, regret, and inequality, it's some of his most self-reflective and honest material to date. This next track is one of my favorites from the special. It's a meta-commentary about Bo's own music wrapped in 80s synth-pop. It's called Problematic. As your usual suburbanite A tiny town in Massachusetts Overwhelmingly white I went to church on Sundays in a suit and a tie And spent my free time watching Family Guy I started doing comedy when I was just a sheltered kid I wrote offensive shit and I said it Father, please forgive me for I did not realize what I did Or that I'd live to regret it Times are changing and I'm getting old are you gonna hold me accountable? My bed is empty and I'm getting cold Isn't anybody gonna hold me accountable? Uh, I'm problematic He's a problem When I was 17 on Halloween I dressed up as Aladdin He's a problem I did not darken my skin But still it feels weird in hindsight Just not very thoughtful at all And just really 
And I'm really fucking sorry Problematic by Bo Burnham off of his Netflix special Inside. Speaking of problematic, let's talk Ariel Pink. LA native Ariel Pink has been self-releasing transgressive lo-fi music for over two decades now. I first heard Ariel Pink in 2009 with his landmark album Before Today, when my friend Michael Williams took me to the Pike Room in Pontiac, Michigan back in 2010 to see Ariel Pink play with the Magic Kids in Pearl Harbor back before they changed their name to Puro Instinct, it was my first foyer into the world of DIY indie music. Ariel's set was chaotic and loud. Multiple times throughout the show, Ariel would chastise the sound guy and even walked all the way to the back of the room with mic still in hand to manually adjust the mix himself. It was the first show that I came to realize the markedly different sound of lo-fi recordings when compared to their live incarnations. Throughout the years, Ariel continued to make inconsistently great music, when he dialed it in, his music sounded like someone had dug up a cassette of lost underground 80s hits recorded off of a fuzzy radio station, but much of his music wanders too far into the fringes of noise for my tastes. I'm not here to recount some of the sordid accusations leveled against him over the years, but Ariel Pink was in attendance at the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th. While there's no evidence he participated in the seizure of the Capitol building, the fact that Ariel had fallen into the web of lies spun by the former president was off-putting to many fans. Later in January, his record label, Mexican Summer, was due to release their final installment of Ariel Archives, which saw them remaster and re-release some of his earliest and rarest work. Even though he would later affirm that Joe Biden had legitimately won the presidency, due to bad press surrounding his attendance at the Stop the Steal rally, Mexican Summer subsequently dropped Ariel Pink and canceled the release of the final four albums in its Ariel Archive series. I'm not here to defend the guy, but I'm also not sure if we should cancel artists based solely on the fact that they are on the other side of the political spectrum, even if they veer off into crackpot conspiracy theories about stolen elections. Besides, being edgy and offensive is kind of his shtick, so this whole thing is somewhat on brand for him. I think we should have the freedom to choose what artists we support or don't support, and if you don't support Ariel Pink, feel free to move on to the next track. You may have already done so when I first mentioned his name. But if you're still here, I'll play for you one of my favorites from the Lost Ariel Archive series. This is Forgotten Legacy of the Past.
That was Forgotten Legacy of the Past by Ariel Pink. This next artist is by far the most mainstream artist that I've featured on this list, but even a music snob like myself has guilty pleasures. In 2021, John Mayer is at a strange spot in his career. He describes himself as, quote, somewhere between a pop artist and a jam band, maybe closer to a pop artist, end quote. His eighth studio album, Sob Rock, was released this July, and it's the closest thing to a concept album that he's ever done. Speaking with Blackbird Spyplane, he said, quote, Pretend someone made a record in 1988 and shelved it, and it was just found this year. I've had the idea for as long as I can remember to make a new record from archival cloth. Not a reprint, but something new. I tip my hat to the 80s on the execution of the song, but when I play it on the acoustic, it doesn't sound like an 80s song, end quote. Complete with a faded album cover and a bargain bin sticker, I think he executed the idea quite well. Sam Sadomsky's Pitchfork review did a great job of describing the sound of the record. Quote, The 80s staples Mayer references on Sobrock in overt, almost shockingly accurate ways represent a moment in popular music I have a lot of fondness for. It was a time when new technology allowed career artists to embellish their music with smooth, luxurious textures better suited for the digital precision of CDs than the analog crackle of vinyl. There's a quiet triumph in hearing someone like Mayer use his substantial resources to recreate this sound, bringing in first-hand witnesses like producer Don Was, bassist Pino Palladino, and keyboardist Greg Philinganis. If you're going to go in, go all the way, end quote. John Mayer is known for his mastery of the guitar, so it's ironic that my favorite track from Sob Rock features very little guitar. Yeah, this track was first released back in 2018, but I just sank my teeth into it this year, so it's on the list. This is New Light.
by John Mayer off of his record Sobrock. Aurograph is Hector Carlos Ramirez. Based in LA, he's signed to George Clanton's 100% Electronica label and makes vaporwave-adjacent music. Most artists are either prolific or good, and Aurograph is both. He's had a busy year, releasing three new albums, all of which are worth checking out. This is from his second album of the year, Lucid. It's called Pacific Palisades. Pacific Palisades by Aurograph off of the album Lucid. Like Aurograph, Kevin Montgomery is a synth producer out of LA, recording as Celerect slash LA Dreams. 80s nostalgia, outrun electro, 
Dreamwave, Synthwave, Synthpop, whatever you call it, Celerect slash LA Dreams has been making this kind of music since 2012. He released two albums this year, and this is a cut from the second album, Cherry Vice. This is Heaven.
that was Heaven by Celerect slash LA Dreams off of the album Cherry Vice. Last year I featured Sufjan Stevens on the show, and 2021 has been another prolific year for the artist. Following the death of his biological father late last year, this year he released an album cycle in five parts representing the five stages of grief, called Convocations. It's two and a half hours of experimental instrumental music, combining electronic, ambient, drone, shoegaze, and space jazz. In September, he released a collaborative album with Angelo D'Augustine called A Beginner's Mind, consisting of 14 songs loosely inspired by movies they watched together in upstate New York. I can't believe what I'm about to say, but my favorite track on the album was inspired by the 2014 cheerleading comedy Bring It On Again, which itself was a sequel to 2000's Bring It On. While it's true that this song wasn't actually recorded in LA, it's called Fictional California, so it fits. Long way to you arrived in fictional California We're gonna bring it on again, bring it on to your heart Our school spirit was defined by dance and drama Fictional California by Sufjan Stevens and Angelo D'Augustine off of their record A Beginner's Mind. From Fictional California, we come to the most quintessential California band to ever exist. That's right, I'm talking about the Beach Boys in 2021. 
And no, I'm not talking about that shell of a cover band that Mike Love parades around Mar-a-Lago. I'm talking about Brian Wilson, Al Jardine, Carl Wilson, Dennis Wilson, Bruce Johnston, and yes, Mike Love. The history of the Beach Boys is a long and storied one, and while I don't have nearly enough time to cover it all, in a nutshell, the story of the Beach Boys is the story of America. In it, you'll find characters like Murray Wilson, the stern father of the Wilson brothers, who represents the rigid values of a generation raised during the Depression. Murray pushed the Wilson brothers into music, and as they gained popularity, he would exert a tighter grip on the business. The Beach Boys' early music embodied the innocence and fun of California youth in the early 1960s. They had a formula for making catchy pop songs about girls, cars, and the beach. But as the decade rolled on, Brian Wilson and other members of the band began to experiment with marijuana and LSD, pushing their pop sensibilities into new experimental territory. This consciousness expansion would fuel some of the most creative years the Beach Boys ever had, while also slowly eroding Brian Wilson's mental health. Out of this era came the greatest album of all time, Pet Sounds, which was supposed to be followed up by Brian Wilson's Teenage Symphony to God, an album called Smile. But Mike Love hated messing with the formula and couldn't wrap his head around Van Dyke Park's abstract lyrics. Due to the complexities of the music and riffs within the band, the album was shelved, and over the years gained a mythical status as the holy grail of Beach Boys music. Over the years, many of these lost recordings found their way to Beach Boys fans in the form of low-quality bootlegs. Fast forward to 2011. After nearly 50 years, studio engineers at Capitol Records had collected and remastered all of the tapes from the Smile Sessions and pieced together the long-lost Smile album the best they could. It was a triumph of studio wizardry to hear these lost recordings in such pristine condition, and it would kick off the era of Beach Boys copyright extension releases. For those unfamiliar with the history of copyright law, what was first envisioned as a system to incentivize the creation of new artistic works would soon be hijacked by Disney and other corporate monoliths to create a system that stifles creativity and maximizes profits. Recently, changes made to copyright law in the EU meant that any recordings which don't get publicly released by the end of the 50th year after they were recorded would be released into the public domain. Obviously, those fat cats at Capitol Records were not about to risk losing one of their largest streams of revenue, so in the 2010s, they began dusting off old Beach Boys master tapes to prepare them for a wider release. Once released, these recordings would fall under modern copyright law, which prevents them from entering the public domain for nearly 100 years. Combine that with the fact that this February, the band sold a controlling interest in the Beach Boys intellectual property, which includes their master recordings, a portion of their publishing, the Beach Boys brand, and memorabilia to the Iconic Artists Group, a new company run by longtime music business power player Irving Jackoff, I mean Azoff. So now, long after the Beach Boys have left this earth, Iconic Artists Group will be the gatekeepers of the Beach Boys' music, controlling its use in our culture and reaping all of the profits until at least the year 2117. Congratulations, corporations. You've completely hijacked our copyright system and are using it in ways that are antithetical to the underlying principles of copyright. Part of me is frustrated that Capitol Records sat on these recordings for so long, only getting the motivation to release them when they were at risk of entering the public domain. But the other part of me is delighted to be treated to Lost Beach Boys songs from their golden age. Each year, we get another release of long-lost Beach Boys nuggets. After several delays, 2021 saw the release of Feel Flows, the box set chronicling 1969 to 1971, 
in which the Beach Boys recorded Sunflower and Surf's Up. Across five discs, totaling six and a half hours of music, we have studio albums, b-sides, demos, alternate takes, live versions, instrumentals, and acapellas. It's a lot of music to go through, so it was tough to pick just one song to play. For those who are only familiar with Fun 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 and Surf and Safari, I think this next track neatly demonstrates the new dimensions the band embraced as their career rolled on, while still containing Brian Wilson's signature harmonies. Even though this track was first released 50 years ago, this year we were treated to an extended version with alternate lyrics that nearly doubled the track's original length. This is the long version with alternate lyrics of Till I Die.
was the long version with alternate lyrics of Till I Die by the Beach Boys off of their Feel Flows box set. From the Beach Boys 50 years ago, we now come to the Beach Boy himself, Brian Wilson, who in 2021 was the subject of a great documentary called The Long Promised Road. In November, Brian released an album of instrumental piano renditions of famous Beach Boys songs called At My Piano. These new versions of old classics are simple yet beautiful. Sure, it would have been great to have Brian singing alongside his piano playing, but at 79 years old, it's a small miracle that we get anything new from Brian Wilson in 2021. And with this track, I'm closing out my look on the sound of Los Angeles in 2021. I'll be back soon with episode 4 of the best music of 2021. This is The Warmth of the Sun by Brian Wilson. <laughs>